こんばんは。It's Zach Langley Chichi. I'm so popular, and I'm here with a guest I am just fabulously excited to have on. Who are you?、Uh, my name is Michael or Mikey. Hey, Michael or Mikey, what are you doing? DC. I'm sitting in my living room、uh, about to record a podcast with you. And then,、uh, yeah, it's Saturday in, in LA, and I'm going to figure out the rest of my day, I guess. We'll see. Do laundry. Love it. And, go and, and that's that. why do you follow me, Mikey?、Um, that is because, okay, I think it was because. Around the time of like Thanksgiving or something like that, when I was like going for a drive, I was driving、mm-hmm. home to my family. Like, you, I saw a tweet about your episode with Jack on it and then talking about Mishima and stuff. And I've always、yeah. been interested in Mishima on the cusp of before it was cool. <laughs>、uh, and、uh, I've only ever read Temple of Golden Pavilion, but I'm like, You know, I'm a, like a, I'm a huge fan of him and his personal style and stuff like that. And I listened to that episode and I was a big fan because of the way everything was kind of approached. I was just like, oh, this is cool. And I had a friend who was actually like asking me some questions about Mishima and I, I recommended it to him, my friend Joe.、Um, and he listened to it maybe, maybe around the same time just because I just thought it was like, it was kind of like a good intro. I was like, this might kind of tell you a bit about the guy. And,、um, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's kind of hard to explain him. So I, I just thought like that episode was really good. And that's kind of like what got me into it. That's why I started following you on Twitter.、Um, and since then, of course, there's been a lot more episodes. Which,、oh, yeah, certainly. <laughs> yeah, covering well, the wide spectrum of things that I'm interested in. So that's why I keep listening, you know. No, I mean, I can't. I, I really think that the Mishima episode with Jack is a kind of like where. My podcasting ethos has been based since. So, and、right. I have so many thoughts about him. And honestly, to say that you only read one Mishima novel and to say it's the Temple of the Golden Pavilion could not be more perfect. It's like one of his most like representative books, I think.、I'm, and I feel like I don't come across a lot of people who talk about it or anything like that. I mean, I know Sun and Steel is like. Oh, yeah. Every fucking one wants to talk about Sun yeah, and Steel. It's like very BAP adjacent. Like everyone has a take about that. But like,、oh, Sun and, and I- Steel is the real lit. Right. And I started, I started、um, uh, The Sailor Fell from Grace with the Sea like,、mm-hmm. in quarantine. And I remember, like, for some reason, like, at some point, I just like, didn't finish it, I, which I don't normally do unless I just straight up hate a book. But I just didn't finish it. And I kind of no. forgot. I mean, I have that's actually one of the few left. I have like maybe seven books of his left that are translated that I haven't read yet. And that's one of them. So、okay. I can't say for sure. But、yeah. I, I, he's a, a difficult, frustrating guy, you know? And yeah, I'm very、right. flattered that you、uh, appreciate what I had to say about him. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, I thought, I thought it, was, it was cool. It was like cool takes. And, and I feel like I, normally what I'm used to hearing is like some like. VHS recorded like YouTube upload of like a British scholar talking about him. You know、oh, what I mean?、Yeah. Like, which is cool too, but you know, it's, it's different. It's, yeah, I mean, there's such a sensual element to him that's so important. And, you know, actually, it's exactly why I brought you on today is because I feel like you have a、uh, sensual appreciation for men in art. And I think something we both have in common is an appreciation for men, actually, <laughs> in vaguely、yeah. different ways, but nonetheless.、Yeah. <laughs>
uh, yeah, definitely. No, I mean, uh, I, uh, I, I feel like there's this, like, there's this gray area. It's like, you can be, it can be tricky to be like talking about like when men were men or whatever, because mm. that can be really corny and it can be really like, um, grating to hear like this, like, you know, there dudes who just post pictures of Steve McQueen all day and are just like, man, these were the days and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> my, my thing more is just like, I've always been interested in like what, uh, what makes a man, et cetera, like and, and masculinity, like within art um, and like masculine ideals in art and books and movies and, and stuff, tough guys and stuff like that. And that plays mm-hmm. into like, I think my interest in like tough guys and uh, or fictional tough guys and stuff like that in movies, which has always been like my main style influence. Um, which, yeah, my, I mean, style influence, but also just like life influence is just like crime films mm. and crime fiction, film noir and all this uh, Yakuza movies, etc. Well, I mean, I, I always was watching your Twitter and, like, your taste in, like, these crime movies is just so immaculate. I mean, the first thing that shocked me, I was like, this person who only follows 300 people and has 1,400 followers is following me. That was, like, the first little <laughs> gasp I had. But then when I clicked on the account and you had the I Stand Alone cover photo. Oh, and we're, yeah, yeah. yeah, and we're tweeting about, like, your poster that you had of it and, like... Oh, yeah. Everyone loves Irreversible. Everyone loves Climax. It's like everyone has like their gas where no way take, but it's like no one says anything about I Stand Alone. So I was, you know, my breath was just stolen from me oh, seeing that. No, yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, I'm a huge, uh, I'm, I'm obsessed with subversive movies. I mean, right. I just am. Um, maybe it has something to do with the fact I, I, I wasn't raised like, uh, sheltered or anything like that. I feel like mm. that's when people start to really go into whatever. It was just more like I was raised pretty normally in like a you know Christian household and stuff, and, and still Christian stuff and so on. But it's just like I never saw anything of like me participating and watching this or that like as like a bad thing. I just was always drawn, and I was just always drawn to it because I got to this point where like you know you do the movie nerd thing. And I feel like when you're when you're a movie nerd, like you're kind of like, yeah, I'm gonna watch the AFI Top 100. You're you're watching all the classic. Yeah. And you, you and in high school when I was getting into this stuff, like my friends were movie nerds, and they were watching like, you know, we'd watch whatever's got the Oscar buzz coming up in theaters. And I remember one time my friend was like, oh yeah, like I went and checked out the Queen, you know, that Helen Mirren movie called The Queen because because everyone was talking about it and saying there was Oscar buzz. And I remember just being like fed up. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I, was like I, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I was like, I can't watch things that are just like only going to be possibly, you know, gain a certain rating on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. And I, I started to be like, no, I'm only interested in watching things that are visceral. Like, I mean, I still do watch like, you know, some prestige, whatever. Oh yeah. Me too. Like, I'm, I, I, what I'm searching for is to be like, maybe shocked uh i kind of want to feel some dread when i watch a movie i kind of want to feel sick and, and i've had a very few experiences where i watch a movie where i've like walked out with my friends and we've been like that was that was a lot and it and i like that feeling because 
it's so hard to come by, you know, it's kind of like looking for that kind of like rush, you know? No, I, I feel the same way. It's like, basically since I was in high school and like started becoming acquainted with my sexuality, it's like I have been only searching out extreme experiences, which is what led me immediately to Gaspar Noe, as I've talked about a few episodes ago. But it's like, I just wanted to feel like that rush, like you said. It really is like this kind of sort of emotional experience watching this extreme cinema where like you feel some like innate thing and you move and it's so rare in contemporary life to feel something so dramatic in your soul i mean in in, like the emotional realm if you're dating or like seeing people like maybe you'll like stumble across it but i think for a lot of people still that's like very rare so i've been addicted to like trying to find like these film experiences that just disgust and horrify me and because i'm so interested in it it gets like less and less easy to find with every movie <laughs> no totally i mean um and i recommended world of kanako to you i think that i think that fits in in that realm you should see but and and also what's funny about i stand alone i only watched like maybe recently like a couple of years ago or so mm-hmm. because that there were things when you're when i was first getting into movies you know like amazon lists were kind of a thing so like oh, i would yeah. out a lot of movies from like people like i'd look up a movie then lists would have it and it'd be like you know, like a dark movie. It would say something like shocking. <laughs> and it'd show me all these like foreign movies, like, but I Stand Alone was always on these lists and, um, or like Delicatessen and, and like um, City of Lost Children or like uh, Happiness would always be on these lists. And I'd see these movies and I'd read about them and I'd be scared to watch them when I was younger. I'd just be like, ah, like, I just, oh, like, <laughs> C17, like, you know, like, and then you read details and you just be like, this sounds so, I, I like couldn't stop myself from like learning more about them. But then when I finally watched I Stand Alone, I feel like I was kind of like, oh, like, yeah, that was rough. But like, you know, it's, I, I mean, it's still like a great movie and, and not really like, it didn't, it didn't like mess me up necessarily. Like, I, I, I mean, Irreversible didn't really either, but you know, I don't know. No, it's, I, I, it's I completely funny. agree. I think, yeah. And even Climax, like, Climax is going to be, like, disturbing to some people, but, like, to me, it was just more like... Oh, it's beautiful. It was fun. I had a blast. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, everyone is kind of, like, you know, Climax is the only movie in recent memory that, like, goes for that, like, uh, visceral shock factor, you know? And, like, because of that, everyone who's seen it kind of is like, oh, it's the most shocking movie. But, like, when I watched it, I was just like, this is a beautiful, sublime movie about, like, the joy of living and dying. And it was like, I didn't get, like, this uh, sad experience about, oh... Oh, the world is so awful. People are raped and set on fire. I was like, no, it's it's beautiful that they are. There's so much extremity to be found in the world. Right. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. What's an annoying title card or whatever? It's like a life and death are two unique experiences. I wish I could oh, speak right. French so I could say stuff like that. But I, yeah, I love, I love, I love the title cards. I love all that. You know, me too. I, I, People yeah. say they're annoying and pretentious. No. But it's like become so much his thing. I almost want to cheer when they come up, you know. Or like, uh, yes. It's like, now, now when his like credits come up, because I'm like, okay, well now every movie does the credits, like listing like, you know, the ADs and all this stuff is going to be something insane. Like I'm going to come to expect it now. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, this, this kind of visceral filmmaking is um, 
precisely what we are in search of together today. And lately, my podcast, you know, every single episode I make, I'm trying to reconcile with, like, why I'm doing it, or, like, what it's for. And then, like, I hear back what I've done. I'm like, what am I doing here? And today I'm, like, really desperate to abandon all affect we're filming this conversation, which is uh, pretty fresh for the podcast, and we're talking about masculinity. Yeah. And violence. And violence, and the beauty of masculine violence. So earlier when you were kind of talking about um, how you have modeled a lot of yourself from, like, crime film and, and whatnot, like, what attracts you to, like, that masculine element in movies? Like, what was kind um, of your attractive element there? I think it's just one of those simple, like, uh, kid who likes, like, cowboys and Indians kind of thing. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's like once I, uh, you, you know, you grow up seeing the film more, uh, like, uh, parodies and satires, even in, like, cartoons, kind of don't fully grasp it. And then once, you, once I got into movies and stuff, and I, I was reading, uh, my freshman year, I was reading uh, Dashiell Hammett's Maltese Falcon. It was, like, mm. the first nor type book I read and I just like am so I was just so like drawn to these these kind of characters of CD privatized and so on and so forth and I knew a lot of people who were and I think it's just one of those things that you know like a like a uh you know a classic kid who's into cowboys or whatever it's like the same kind of thing or but it's modern modern cowboys modern thieves whatever um, and that's why I'm like a huge Michael Mann fan too. Like, I feel like Michael Mann, part of why I like Michael Mann is because he makes modern Westerns. Um, so, but like these, these characters now, it's just the, the landscapes change, but these guys are still holding on to these like ideals and these like, this like code and stuff like that. Very samurai too, you know, it's very like, mm. you know, I'm sure there's some Bushido stuff in there too. Like, and of course, you know, there's like Melville movies like by Samurai and stuff like that, that, that touch on it too. But I feel like I was always drawn to it just because my life was probably the opposite. I feel like that's like kind of the thing, you know, um, some people watch movies to escape, uh, maybe because their life's really bad. They won't watch them with a little escapism in it. I, I'm drawn to these type of movies because my life was just like suburban, like normal, you know, whatever. So, I mean, uh, yeah, it stuck with me and to this day, I'm still just like seeking out that kind of, those movies, anything within that kind of genre uh, and books wise too. I just mainly like, if the book doesn't have like a gun or like a suitcase full of money, like I'm not really <laughs> focused. You know, I'll read the classics from there, but like, it's just like, you know, I'm looking for someone who's attacking that kind of stuff with, with like some sort of like beautiful prose or something like that. You know, I yeah. want to read that doesn't feel like airport fiction, but a lot of those books are airport fiction. Right. So, um, so that's kind of interesting, but yeah. And, and then on top of it, you know, it's just the classic, like you picture these guys and, or like, you know, James Cagney is like one of my heroes um, or like any characters in like Warren Oates, like people in Peck and Paul movies. And you picture these guys in these suits and they're, you know, smoking a cigarette and they're carrying a gun, et cetera. And uh, what's what's not appealing about that? What's not appealing about that? I mean, I I find that recently, like the, well, I guess I should say my like 
approach to these movies because I like a lot of the same stuff that you're totally interested in. Like we have similar taste in terms of like that like masculine crime energy, but um, our all the girls exactly. Our philosophies are totally opposite, you know, because you yeah. know my attraction to it is so much of like the erotic. It's like I find that there's like, oh. such a fascinating sexual element in that character that is super underrepresented recently, and it's like. Um, my dad would watch absolutely anything. We had a fucking fat, like, HBO, you know, showtime, like, the whole 5,000 channels thing or whatever. So, like, he would just watch whatever. And so I was, like, watching stuff like RoboCop and anything he put in front of me from a very young age. And, um, I I found when I was, like, a teenager that, like, the only sort of, like, sexually fascinating male character to me were, like, these kind of, like, crime, like, rough-and-tumble men who have, like, this mysterious element that they're always looking at in the distance, you know? It's, like, they're not just, um, the Rock Johnson, you know? They're not just, like, that kind of, like, action hero who's, like, strong and cool and hot. It's, like, they, they have, like, some sort of like, longing or, like, distant desire that's always in the distance. And, like, I feel like that kind of role is just rapidly diminishing. Totally. And I, you know, um, I should emphasize, too, you know, like, these uh, these are, um, you know, kind of, they, they are characters. And, you know, like, it's, it's kind of, like, a very, so vastly different from, like, the actual criminal experience. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, for example, like um, Eddie Bunker, who wrote one of my favorite books, uh, was was an actual ex-con, mm. and he was like a big time thief, bank robber kind of guy, or whatever. Was like locked up, but like he was in Reservoir Dogs because Tarantino was a big fan. He played Mr. Blue, and he said in an interview, he was just like, you know, I showed up to set, and he was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like all these guys <laughs> were all wearing suits at a at a cafe and he was like you would get made right away he was like why are are we all wearing black suits and then he was like and then i realized oh this is like it's a movie like it's set in a movie world and i think that kind of paints the perfect picture it's like yeah like i'm you know not attracted to the actual life of uh like you know cd bagman whatever because that's probably you know you you'll read a biography or something be like well this is huh you did what but like you know but like the movie persona um it is something that is kind of like fading away you know what i mean like we're we're at the point where like i don't know like uh, a movie studio might say like hey this this hitman shouldn't smoke cigarettes in the movie because it's you know, or, you know what i mean like it might come <laughs> yeah he kills people but make sure he has like a heart of gold and stuff like that which i'm attracted i love that i always love that aspect too you know that's in a lot of korean movies they always put like the most brutal person will still be like you know very purist and moral women and stuff like that which i i love but you know um but yeah i mean like what's i think i think it is like an incredibly attractive thing because it's it's dangerous you know i mean it's 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 cliche i guess but it's like that wrong side of the tracks, you know, like doing some kind of small kind of crimes to get by kind of thing is, is attractive. But I also, um, you know, in, in, uh, the, this movie, the way of the gun, 
uh, which is another one of my favorites with Ryan Phillippe and Benicio, like there's like a narration in it where he talks about like, uh, uh, you know, how everybody does this and this, like everybody in life kind of takes this certain path. And it's, um, and he was like, you know, we decided to go this way. So they're, they're like full-time criminals and they're like, mm-hmm. we're just going to go this way. And I always found that super interesting because it's like, I think again, it's because I can't really relate. It's like, because I'm, I'm okay with living the straight and narrow life, but I'm like, what, how do you get to that point? Like, I'm always curious about how do you get to that point where you're just like, this isn't working for me. I'm actually willing to break the law. I'm actually willing to do whatever it takes on the low, like Mm. figure this out. Um, And in some cases, you know, some people are willing to hurt other people to, to get by, to get a few bucks whatever yeah absolutely it's like it's that kind of extremity you know like i'm like such at like an end like i have no other choice it's like that sort of shocking masculinity where like you have to be able to decide for everyone around you like what's going to happen and the utmost pressure of that i mean whether it's a good thing or not you know it's been sort of castrated in the last 20 years where it's like no man will ever again be in that situation and i mean probably not i mean i can't speak for every part of the world but <laughs> right, I mean, right definitely right. not japan where <laughs> a lot of people are relying on their men but in any yeah, case yeah. it's like um whether or not that's a good thing it's like it doesn't really matter to me on a moral level if if it's like good or not because it's hot it's like it's sexually interesting right. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like it's it's like an erotic role. It's like this is kind of like this uh, primordial human impulse that everyone has had, like towards like that male figure who has to risk their existence and their subjectivity and everything they've ever lived for for the protection of the people around them or anything else, you know. And that kind of drama is so sexually rich, and it it yeah. bums me out that we don't get anything like that anymore. You know how many times I've talked to? I mean. I remember talking to girls about, um, about, uh, you know, Goodfellas, you know, Ah. it's one of my favorites, you know, and I, I know a few, like, I know it's like kind of like the thing when people say like guys always force and want, you know, I, I, girls love Goodfellas too, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I remember these girls saying they're like, oh, I love that scene where, um, Ray Liotta is like getting ready and he's like about to leave. And then she's like, his girl's like, or his wife's like, hey, I, I want to go shopping today. And he's like, all right, how much you need? He pulls up the lot of cash and she's just like a little more. And he's just like, yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, I love that scene. They're like, oh, that's like the dream. And I'm like, yeah, it's because like, it's the provider aspect, but just like, you know, he's doing something bad during the day to get, the, yeah. get you. But there is like a, there is an alpha, it, it is an alpha male thing. It is a provider kind of thing. And like, um, maybe, maybe the fact that they're willing to break the law or do whatever is, it comes off as more mask. It comes off as like this, you know, kind of alpha mm. classic old, I don't know, something like deep inside is probably like stirred, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. No. Yeah. And I, this is kind of the whole reason why I think that it's so absurd that um, 
I have been characterized as, like, a savior or, like, preserver of, like, Western masculinity. And it's, like, you know, I guess there, like, really is a masculine crisis of, like, you know, a drag queen who's just as, like, you know, dick-hungry is, like, the one who has to, like, sort of talk about these things. And this is, like, why I'm so happy that your internet presence exists and your work and your Instagram and, like, all of these images that you curate is because it's, like it shouldn't just be faggots honestly who are like preserving this masculinity like straight men should you know do something about it too and i mean there's definitely efforts towards it but you have to find the art in it and that's i think that's very challenging for a lot of guys is to find the art in their masculinity yeah yeah and i mean i'm like just really into aesthetics in general and like Mm. you know like uh and yeah, like I said, like what's not cool about a guy in a suit with a gun, whatever. Um, like that that's what I love to see in a movie and et cetera. But it's uh but yeah, definitely sometimes, you know, people will see something like that or they'll see my Instagram and they'll totally have it completely wrong and be like, I don't know, what this is like weird. Like they think it's like some terrorism aesthetics type thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm just like, how do you get that out of this? I was like, because especially because, you know, like the way I saw it and the way I was approaching it was just like, um, you know, everybody, there's so many mood boards out there mm. uh, that are just posting the same thing, like constantly. And, and, and to me, it's like, well, you know, like everybody else sells fashion with sex or like, a, or that, at least they used to. And I'm like, what, what's not cool about like selling uh, style and passion and like imagery with violence? Like there was a time when that was a thing, you know what I mean? There were time, there was a time when ads, you know, high fashion ads might do something that would incorporate a gun or something like that. But now it's just like, it'll never happen. You know what I mean? Like, well, because I mean, like, the gun used to be kind of, like, an erotic image. Like, now it is yeah. merely one of death. And it's, like, I mean, I, I think that any, like, sexual pre-recognition of something is, like, innately aware of death. And so right. when, like, the gun was kind of, like, a popular cultural image, it was, like, they were turning that, like, fear of death into, like, a productive, pleasurable vessel or outcome or whatever you want to say. And to just completely remove it is doing nobody any good. Yeah, no, not really. Like, I mean, it's just, they're here to stay. I don't, you know, it's like this, yeah. In America, uh, guns are going nowhere, honestly. It's like, yeah, no. there's never going to be a, a politician who runs on a a platform of a, what do they call it? Like, I, I don't even remember. Oh, abolish. Gun oh, abolition? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. I have no, no idea. No, it's just like. You know, it's like in a perfect world, sure, right? But it's, it's, you know, no, no. No, everyone (laughs) thinks that they can just, like, wipe the guns away. But it's like, you can do that, sure. But it's like, if they're there, you may as well make use of them. Like, let's make a little gay militia, you know? Like, let's do something with that. (laughs) I I mean, I know plenty of people who are, like, against them, but still think they look cool. You know what I mean? Or they want to hold one. And it's just like. they look fucking cool. They do. They really do. So it's no, just they like, do. Uh, I mean, why can't it be like an accessory in uh, in a photo shoot? You know what I mean? Or in a you know, and or why can't a movie glamorize them and stuff like that? And I and I've gotten I've gotten flack for glamorizing 
firearms in my. I have my... as well for my mother. <laughs> oh yeah, no. I yeah, I posted um, a picture of my zine cover, and I had a gun in the picture, and uh, she was like, "Why is there a gun in this picture?" <laughs> and she texted me about it in a little flurry. <laughs> it's very cute. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. No, nothing like that. No, more. I got more just people being like, yo, man, just so you know, like, that made me feel this way and stuff like that because you posted. Like, I, I, yeah, it's like. Thanks I, for telling I, me how you feel about guns. I want to be sensitive to it, you know, and listen and be like, cool, yeah. But at the same time, like, uh, it's just pictures on the internet. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day. It's not yeah. even a gun. It's a picture of one. Yeah, exactly. You know, well, unless it's me with a gun. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I've definitely, like, um, one time in college, I wore a little pink, like, feather coat, and I held my uh, straight, my, my uh, frat boy uh, brother, my, my fraternity brother. He had a, uh, a handgun, and I, I got to hold it, and I took a whole bunch of fucking pictures with it because I thought it was so cunt. Dude, yeah, you know, I, you, that's such a thing. Like, as soon as somebody, like, sees a real gun, they're like, okay, <gasps> yeah, pull out the phone. Give me the gun. It's amazing because, no, like, I love to hold a gun, honestly, because it's like you have so much power <laughs> holding a gun. Yeah, as, as it's been said a million times before, but it's true, you know. And and the second someone shoots a gun, like you want to talk about erotic, like it's. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm Sense sure that whoever made a gun, I don't know anything about the history about this, but like they are constructed in the same way a dick is, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes yeah, that sounds about right. I'm I'm sure that's probably what they had in mind. I mean, I'm sure that's exactly what they were thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm never going to be, like, someone who, like, smokes in their house. But it's, like, you know, sometimes I will smoke in my house. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm, uh, what I want to get is a, I want to get a Cartier lighter. Or, like, a Dunhill. Like, like uh, a big one. They, they're just so, they're so. I want one, too. They have these, um, Evangelion lighters that they were selling that cost, like, $200 now. And they have, like, the logo on them and they're, like, carved. It's, like, I want one of those. I mean, you talk about, like... That's a masculine conversation in itself, but like the the thin like a thin gold one, like if I lit another gold cigarette with that, it would be game over. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into the movie. Um, oh. Shane is a movie that you recommended in our masculine conversation today. Yes. And I'm very unfamiliar with westerns. I can't say this is my first ever, but it's definitely among the top, like the first ten I've ever seen. And I was riveted. So I kind of want to know I'm what so happy that. drew you to this movie. Um, so I thought of it because I just was like, okay, like that's that would fit under the classic western. Like as far as westerns mm. go, like aside from like High Noon and. Some other ones, like, you can't get more uh, Western than that. You know what I mean? Like, it has, it checks all the boxes. No and doubt. And I feel like Westerns it, you're actually, are... Yeah, when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is what I imagined Westerns are based off of, mm. like, media raising you, you know, a sitcom doing a Western parody is probably pulling something from Shane, you know, like... Um, 
and it's based on a book it's based on a book i read in high school actually um mm. where there's some things so i'll point out later but uh some differences there but um well one thing that I, I thought watching it i was thinking a lot about westerns generally it was like I know that Westerns are so like Clint Eastwood and all that are like they're they're associated with masculinity, but um not knowing much about like the cultural tropes of anything, I was just thinking the whole time about like how much gorgeous like maleness was in this movie and not just like aesthetically like simple either. Like it's a movie about a lot of like pain of having to inhabit that role as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um and, uh, you know, I, I, I just finished reading that book, Lonesome Dove, too, which talks about, you know, cattle herding and stuff like that. And mm. and uh, it's one of those things where it's like there's a romanticism to that, the Old West and men chopping wood and all this stuff. I'm not going to do that. You know, I mean, like you read it and you're just <laughs> like, oh, I can't. not me. I can't. Insane. Like, you know, what I mean, but but the fact that I'm saying, oh, I could never do that. That's what irks me i'm like oh that's kind of that's kind of sad that we're at this point where you know we're we're, we're not even thinking we can handle that kind of no stuff. now we're styling on instagram and putting wigs on <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but but you know and shane is kind of the same thing it's like there's this you know um the the father in the movie is like uh a hard worker mm. just wants to provide etc and wants to be um I guess he would want to be a, I mean, he wants to be a good father figure to his, his son, but when Shane comes along, I think it, it challenges it in such a way. And when I, when I was rewatching it this week, I noticed it more than I'd ever noticed it on any viewings, um, how maybe the dad was kind of like, you know, felt, felt his own masculinity kind of challenged. Yeah. I, I picked up on that too. Stupid son, the worst actor ever. This little kid who's <laughs> like terrible. He constantly is pointing out how much he loves Shane and how cool he thinks Shane is. And Shane carries a gun. You don't kind of thing. No, the, the, the first time I, when I was watching it and sitting through it, I was like, I forgot that that figure was there. It was like, right. I, my first, I was like, what, is Shane his like lost father? And then yeah, I was like, yeah, no, yeah. like the plot of the movie is that Shane is a drifter who has arrived in this township and, um, what wyoming yeah it's wyoming yeah Wyoming. yeah right yeah. i recognize it from um the kanye west yay cover oh perfect which features the same um mountain drop so <laughs> no and i was thinking the whole time i i just um it's about this drifter who comes in and is like uh embroiled in this conflict of property and has to kind of take the last stand sort of thing and um he intrudes on this family and him and, and the wife have like this sexual element the whole time. Like, plus the father is only ever present working and in conflict and the son idolizes Shane. Like there's a lot of uh male yeah. worry there, isn't there? There's a ton. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, the, and it's all real. I mean, you know, it's like, this is, this is, this is a realistic approach to all these things, you know, and, Certainly. uh, the wife, um, and in the book, I remember it, it specifically kind of uh, touches on it more than the movie, but it mm. touches on what the wife's thinking. And she's definitely attracted to Shane. And I remember reading the book and then watching the movie and be like, oh, they don't really illustrate that as much. 
But this time around, when I watched it, I was like, oh, they're illustrated. I mean, they they kind of hit that point home. Like, Oh, I know, felt it. You know, it was only my first watch, and I was, like, drunk on my side, like, watching it at, like, 2 a.m. But it was, like, I felt it. Like, um, I, I, w- one of the things I really appreciate about this movie is that, like, it does have, like, the beautiful masculine ideal, which is the drifter, whose name I, I can't oh, – it's Shane. Oh, Shane. Yeah, <laughs> whose name I can't remember for some reason. Yeah, no. For some reason. <laughs> Well, it's just because he's, you know, such a seminal masculine figure that he's every yeah. hot guy I've ever met in my life, you know? Right. And what's cool about him is, uh, well, I mean, what's interesting is that the guy they cast to play Shane is was not uh, what, I, at that time, it's a surprising casting choice. He He's like 5'6 or 5'7 Alan Ladd is. He, I would he, have never known. He was known for being short. Mm. Um uh, he led a tragic life in real life. He was kind of washed up a little bit by that point, by the time of Shane. I mean, this was kind of like a revival thing for him, and that's probably his most famous role. But, um, you know, and Sal Minio, in, in Rebel Without a Cause, Sal Minio's character has a picture of Alan Ladd in his locker, which has always been cited as being kind of a like a, like a homoerotic thing mm. you know it's never explained why that's in rebel without a cause i don't know but um <laughs> but she, you know he's great in the role because um it's the uh as tony soprano would say about like gary cooper and stuff it's the strong silent type mm. and the dude's a gentleman the dude shows up and he's super nice whatever and then like after they give him dinner he just like starts chopping down the the stump that the dad can't even take care of the dad's been trying to get <laughs> life and then shane goes and handles it and it's cool because they have a moment where they bond and uh and uh they're like getting sweaty and like getting rid of this tree stump you know but um i do i you know i think it's it's an interesting kind of like i, I was seeing more and more this time around while i was watching it how the dad is like somewhat resentful of this drifter coming into his life and kind of like changing the way his son dreams and stuff like that. Obviously the kid has this, this, this martial spirit and like this. Right. Cause like from like the very first shot of the movie, he's like fascinated by the guns and like he wants to be the one shooting them and he has like such an interest in them. Yeah. 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 And it's great. And it's a great scene when he's teaching the kid how to shoot and he tells the mother, you know, he's like a gun's a tool, you know, like. He gives you know. the iconic, like, rightest line. He's like, it doesn't yeah, matter like, who has, the, it's like, it only matters yeah. who has the gun, not that the gun exists. Yeah, exactly. Um, and um, and if you want to talk about masculinity, the uh, the villain in the movie, um, played by what's his name? Uh, by what's his name? Indeed. Yeah, well, I'll never be the one to remember. Yeah. No, I I always remember it's um, you know, uh, but he is like the classic like Western bad guy, right? Um, he's got like the cool gloves. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's um, Jack Plance. Yeah, he's got like you know Jack Plance is known for just having that like evil grin and stuff like that. But mm. I, you know, that movie's got the the classic scene where he's kind of goading someone else into pull into pulling first, um, and it's just evil. Like I mean, it's just 
it's it's weird because one thing I noticed too when I was watching it was like, of course the movie plays more modern than you would think for for a movie from 1953. Oh yeah. But, um, but you know, like you always before you know before I started watching old movies, everybody you know everybody has that idea of like them being very uh, very g-rated and kind of just like staying away from the dark stuff and then you see something like that where the movie shows someone who is actually you know the bad guy and it's sadistic yeah um well and also like um with a g-rating kind of idea it's like you would if, if you just viewed it that way you would never see like the absolute like sexual evil that's going on here like there's exactly. so much like dark conflict between every character here where it seems like anyone in this movie including the child could be fucked at any moment there, yeah no there's like a weird like i mean that and that i think comes with anything like kind of set in the 50s it's like this you, you know you can't kind of can't ex- escape it especially because the camera will always like worship someone's face no right and i i really like the kind of restraint where we don't see the fucking you know it's like we can only right. ima- you know it leads to better creative um opportunities than if they had just like shown shane doing it with the wife or like any other thing right. here you know it's like there's so much more beautiful complexity to not seeing it well yeah and it makes it more classic that everything's kind of unspoken you know at the yeah. at the end of the movie she definitely she she says something to him like you know whatever while well, she's she's holding her cuck husband who's like going cross-eyed because shane like knocked him out in front of <laughs> which dark i mean that the whole thing with him fighting the dad is so dark to me like, yeah i know i i that was really bleak watching it too like, when they're like battling in that like war-torn like black like wallpaper landscape it's very yeah, upsetting and like the horses are all screaming and the mom is screaming and uh the kid is just being like i hate you shane like you know it's just like a dark scene but like it's it's interesting like um yeah, the the dumb dad just like staring, like being an idiot and being like, huh, what? And then the wife is like having this whole moment with Shane, being like, all right, you. She's like, please be careful, you know. Um, yeah. Not to mention that, like, the violence here, like when it when it pops up, it's like so visceral, you know. And like, it is. I, I kept thinking for like a movie from 1953. It's like when you see someone getting shot, it's like it, it's not kind of like the sexy shooting of like a a Nazi or a Russian that you would get in these contemporary movies. It's like this like dark, extreme human moment, isn't it? Totally. No. Um, uh, yeah. From the, from the moment when Jack Blance first shoots that one guy after calling, you know, goading him and calling him a Yankee liar or the guy calls him a Yankee liar or whatever. Um, it feels wrong. You know I mean? Mm. Like, and, and it, it kind of gives you the idea of how, uh, how supposedly how, you know, scary it was to live in the West, like something like that could happen before your eyes, whatever. But um, I remember now it, it has a certain weight to it where you're watching, you're like, oh, this is actually kind of brutal. And you don't think of movies from that era as being brutal. Uh, and then, you know, there's also the, there's a, the first fist fight between Shane and the, the, this like Western, at the time he was like a super Western character actor, this guy, Ben Johnson, I think that's the same. He later won like a Academy Award for like, Best picture show but um he the the fight scene is drawn out it's like way longer than i remember it being yeah and like kind of brutal because every it's like you can hear like breathing and like 
you know. I thought you, about you, the breathing too. The breathing right. is like you really hear like the really like, close physical details, like in the sound design. They, yeah. Like, it's shocking for a movie from that era where it's like you really are so like physically present with these people. True. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, uh, you know, the thing about fight scenes in movies, at least growing up when I was watching them, is like you, they, they rarely portrayed because I'm used to watching all these 80s action movies from when I was a kid. They rarely portrayed someone getting really like exhausted. Mm. And then I feel like this movie kind of shows that they're just like you're just tired, like you've been throwing punches and whatever um oh yeah i mean and yeah. that that kind of like makes me think about like what my whole takeaway from this movie is is that like you know we do see like the beautiful masculinity and like we do see like these like gorgeous characteristics of shane who is like willing to put everything up to protect this family that he honestly has no stake in um right. he's doing what he thinks is morally right like all of that is gorgeous but there is such a sinister edge to it isn't there it's like he, yeah. he really is like and uh, he's a dark character and 100 uh, percent the pursuit of masculinity and becoming a, a Shane-esque figure is not really so heroic, but it's honestly tragic. And when that last scene takes place where Shane is riding away and his uh, little... <laughs> his little student oh. is, like, emulating yeah, him, the terrible, boy. like, cherubic blonde boy. is <laughs> like... Yeah. It's sad, like, actually, isn't it? Sad. I really think you it's sad. You don't know if he's dead. You don't know. Right. That's, no, that's yeah. Raising, you know, that's the endless argument to this day. You know, people still aren't sure if he's alive or if he's slumped over in his horse because he's dead. I would like to say he's probably dead. He's mm, probably dead. I would say so too. But, um, which makes it all the better. You know, mm. it makes this really classic ending. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, a, I mean, yeah. And the movie says a lot about, you know, what uh, the, the boyhood dream of the boyhood like what who your boyhood heroes are who you look up to as boy whatever and and to, you know touching on what you were just talking about you know uh someone you look up to like that may actually just like be like the, have the least desirable life like it's obvious shane like they they everybody's referencing like oh man why does this guy carry guns or this guy must be like good with a gun whatever and if he is good with the gun like it's very likely like you know, he, he didn't have a great life, you know, or he's been looking over his back, like the, his whole life. So, um, yeah, it's all, it's all very interesting. Um, but he is cool. He is like genuinely like a cool, Oh, he's so cool. Like he's so cool in this movie. No, uh, he's so cool. It's like, I, like there's like kind of a, an unspoken element to it where it's impossible to put into words, but it's like, just watching his face move and like those like kind of close shots or um e like even more like that br like broad grandiose layer where he's like riding towards the confrontation with like the dark navy you know twilight darkness beneath him it's like you feel like the appeal towards him the whole movie yeah absolutely and the scene the scenery in the movie is amazing um uh, but, no, I'm uh, I'm totally trapped in thinking of it as like the Kanye West scenery now. Dude, yeah, I get that. I get that because uh, I I hadn't seen this obviously before I like listened to that album and like experienced the whole Wyoming cycle of his records or whatever. Not about that. No, but it was like I feel like they're the same. It's like they're I mean, the no, same. I, I can totally see that. Like, right? I mean, yeah, but but also like my idea of Wyoming is probably just like that's those are 
probably my own that's my only exposure to it i've never been there it's like (laughs) i have no idea so like my idea is like men go to wyoming to like stake out their final masculinity it's shane and kanye west yeah or montana montana is like another kind of place like that absolutely it's it's like all these like uh, midwestern countries that people don't know anything about and it's like that's where you go to like put your flag down I mean, and it, you know, it's it's. I mean, to this day, it still uh, appeals to a lot of people I know. Like, oh, the idea of retiring and just going to a place like that, Montana, Wyoming, whatever, and just wearing a cowboy hat and just like, <laughs> you know, retiring and you you have grandkids and all this stuff like that. But you know, I don't know anyone from my generation that's going to actually do that. Like, uh-uh. No. None of my friends can chop wood. I mean, I had to chop wood when I was in, in uh, junior high school. From When I went into sixth grade, I had to chop wood for my dad every day. I fucking hated it. I That's hated it. it. But it, built, it built character. I guess. like, But I was gay, so the only thing it would, like, made me was, like, more horny for, like, men. Like, I was, like, it didn't, it did the adverse thing. Like, honestly, like, if he wanted to, like, uh, fix me, he probably just, like, should have sent me to a beauty salon and, like, seen, like, some woman's pussy getting waxed, and I would have been good to go. That's actually, no, that, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, if you want to, like, scare your, like, your child out of homosexuality, it's like you gotta do something like that, probably. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, duly noted. Now we have to talk about Violent Cop. Right. Yes. That's the most recent one you watched, right? Yeah. So I watched Violent Cop last night with my boyfriend. Um, I had seen it in high school because um, when I was in eighth grade, I was introduced to Battle Royale. And it is a foundational movie in my career. I will do an episode about it one day. But um, I saw Battle Royale. I saw, like, the shocking tenor of the violence like, the existential edge of 40 people, like, put into their extreme moment, and I was fascinated. So, oh, yeah. I I literally made a scrapbook about <laughs> Battle Royale. <laughs> I did. I had a little composition notebook, and I uh, printed obscure images on the internet of everything I could, just writing as much as I could about it, because I was obsessed. I was fascinated. Yeah. I, I, read the, I have read the novel every single year of my life, um... Since that year, so I guess I've read it, like, nine times now, and I just read it in Japanese for the first time, and uh, one of the movies I was led to on that journey was Violent Cop, because I, I got into Kitano and his career, and yeah. Violent Cop is, uh, it's certainly a predecessor to that movie, and, like, really culturally and aesthetically, like, uh, important in the way that Japan sees violence, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I uh... I feel like I I actually before Battle Royale I found out about Katana because of fireworks. Oh uh, yeah, Hanabi, which is so famous. It's a bet. That that movie is like my favorite of his probably, and it it blows my mind every time I watch it. And um, I rented it when I was 
gain in movies when I was young because I saw the VHS and it mm. had a million five stars on it. And it said a masterpiece in violence. And at that time, I thought a masterpiece in violence was going to mean that it was just endless, like Verhoeven. Like, so when I watched it the first time, I think I was like a little bit like let down as a youngin. I was like, huh? I was like, this is more like artsy than okay, whatever. But I still like really liked it and thought he was cool. Mm. I've just been obsessed with it. And then I slowly got more and more like obsessed with him just like because he's the man. Um, when I finally watched Violent Cop, it must have been in like college. And I uh, I just remember just being like, I mean, he, play, he plays a similar character in all of his movies. He is the maybe the antithesis or was no not antithesis what's the word he's he's the definition i would say of of the strong silent type. he's the thesis and, yeah and, because, and in a way i don't know if it's really into it in any in any way but you know like i had always heard like you know with yakuza and stuff like that they're they're very influenced by western culture and they're influenced mm. by the western idea of the tough guy or whatever at least in their movies and in, in any kind of yakuza movie like old suzuki movies etc like these guys were dressed like Americans um, and doing kind of tough guy uh, posturing uh, that yeah. was very like James Cagney, et cetera. So like, to me, when I watch violent cop and stuff, it's kind of the same thing, but he's doing his take on like dirty Harry or like Clint Eastwood doing this, this kind of cop who doesn't play by the rules thing. And I think the way he approaches it is so, like he's just brilliant oh so good like no i i completely agree because um for context the movie is about a uh, cop who is a uh, thrust into a situation in which he has to act violently as he has kind of done his whole career and it, it's um almost kind of like a slice of life movie it has like a lot of like similarities to the slice of life anime where it's like kind of watching like these vignettes of him until we get to the kind of the major conflict of the movie and right. uh it, it it's about him and his behavior and the ultimate like tragedy and drama of it and the comedy as well. And yeah. my boyfriend thought it was hilarious when we were watching. And uh, that's interesting because it was supposed to be a comedy originally. Originally, yeah, it was a, the original screenplay was written as a comedy, but was then adapted by Kitano. And this is was his his first movie that he directed, um, where it turns into more of a, a drama and like. Of course, it is, like, shocking and horrifying, but I think it may just be, like, the cultural role of, like, Beat Takeshi. Like, Beato Takeshi is, like, such a cultural... Like, I see him every day in this fucking country. He's on every variety show. He's talking about something all the time. They put him in commercials, ads, posters, billboards. Like, he's everywhere. So to see him acting like this has a whole nother layer of cultural baggage when you're watching it retrospectively. That's sick. I, I wish I lived somewhere where I could just see his face every day because, like, I worship him. So, no, uh, every single like, I, you know what? I'm going to weeb out and I don't fucking care. Like, anyone can call me a weeb. Fuck you. Like, Japan's cool and I like living here. Like, yeah, of course. I, I just got in trouble. Someone was like, being like, it's not cool to live in Japan. Like, it's like, it's not as good as you think it is. I'm like, no, like, it is. Like, I'm having a blast. Like, the yeah. sexual culture is repressed, which means that it's like even more explosive. There's so much amazing media and personalities who are just put on every billboard. People are nice. Like, the drinking is fun. Like, fuck you if I like living here. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, I never thought about that. But, yeah, I guess they were... The, I, can, I can see how repression actually can make something more 
explosive or powerful or something like that. Well, um, I mean, that's why all Japanese movies are like so much more like sexually violent is because oh, like, yeah. when you're at work, there's no sex there. Whereas like when I was in America, the question is always like what someone thinks of someone sexually and the like, even office jobs. It's like, there's always the sex question in the air, no matter how minute it is. Whereas here you have to eradicate that. You have to put it in another box. And so when you're off of work, it goes to extreme measures. Right. Interesting. Huh. Um, and I mean, I'm sure that plays into like, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I'm sure that plays into like uh, uh, violence as well, right? Like, I mean, is there a repression in terms of like... Well, I mean, mass- uh, around the time Violent Cop was coming out, they were just like, you know, like 10 years shy of... Uh, the rising sun i forgot what the name of it in japanese is but like there was like a whole cultural movement of like a young like misplaced men who were like uncertain like sexually and culturally where the west is like proceeding upon japan like the war is lost and it's like this like a hellscape where tokyo was like eradicated and like now it's all of these like young hot boxer guys who are like taking the scene and it's like I, I feel like a lot of cinema is like in Japan is very reactionary towards that in a, in a great way. Huh? Yeah, no, that's cool. Like, I mean, like um, at that era, I feel like maybe weirdly enough, what was this? 89, 88, 89 for a uh, violent cop. I, right. um, I'm trying to think, I don't even know what else I've seen from that, that particular era, but I feel like, I mean, this was an important movie for him because he, he was strictly a comedian, right? Yeah, I yeah. Think. He was a he was a manzai comedian. Like he just like did like a very traditional kind of Japanese comedy at that point. Yeah, and this was his first time being like straight, you know, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, everybody loves when a comedian goes does the straight serious role, whatever. Yeah, and but he I had mean, the foresight to do it like what fifty years before anyone else would. Have, and like in America, it's like now we're just getting to that point now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now we get Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, which is, like, literally just violent cop, but, like, a half decade late. Yeah, no. Oh, sorry, half I, century, excuse me. Um, yeah, no, I no, I totally agree. Like, I, I feel like, you know, like, the this movie kind of shows, like, the... Um, like I said, it's like that... It's got, like, that dirty, hairy element, whatever. He's, like, a fascist cop. yeah. And Which is a movie that'll never happen again, obviously, at least not in the West. Well, not he, he, you won't see that as a protagonist. No, no, no. no. That's the that's the villain now. You you know, no matter what, it's the villain. But I uh, I find it interesting to see something from the point of view of a dude who's like completely like he's corrupt, but he's he's still kind of like likable in the movie. And the thing is, the villain at the end of, in the movie is far more despicable. Oh, certainly. So, you can't be and you know like i remember one of the most shocking pieces of violence in the movie is that baseball bat scene uh, oh yes so, the slow motion baseball bat so scene frustrating to watch because you're just like everybody just seems so incompetent to stop this guy and the baseball bat to the head scene i was just like whoa, whoa this is uh, it, it's it's harsh you know what i mean like oh yeah like uh, my my poor boyfriend who like does is like not he like used to just like watch like american 90s rom-com until we started dating i'm like let's watch melancholia <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. he watched this and he recoiled 
on the sofa. Like the cat jumped away in fear when yeah. um the bat strikes the head and the blood comes out from three angles. Yeah, it was it's a very it feels like a very classic like Lady Snowblood kind of like traditional blood effect and it's yes. uh, it's wonderful, but it's also brutal and uh I I love kind of how there's like a chill vibe to this movie, even though the subject matter is so dark, but like, you know, it turns into this foot chase that would normally <laughs> be sort of like action scene in another movie, but they're playing like elevator jazz from yeah. the soundtrack. Like, <laughs> it feels like this melancholy, like it doesn't feel like, it's not like an exciting chase. It almost just feels like glum. Like they're just like chasing in the car, but the, because of the music, it just feels like so like it's weird, you know? No, it is. And it, I think the funniest thing about all this is that like he's in a car, like he should be able to cut off this guy so fast as like plow into him or like aside him. But it's like he stops the car at one point, like gets out and then like, gets back in the car. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Funny. And like then, um, that leads to a scene which there's also multiple scenes of him like you know using unnecessary force mm. kicking one when they're down etc um i feel like one of the first clips i'd ever seen from this movie was before i had seen the full thing was the slapping scene where he's slapping the guy a hundred times in the bathroom which is like <laughs> oh, yeah. insane because it looks like they're fully connecting um like actual slaps and yeah that 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 scene's like also amazing well, one of like the, the great like visual pastiches of this movie is that it is just constantly hitting people in the face it's like so totally. many punches and slaps and it's like um it's very cathartic to watch because i can't think of like how many people i've wanted to do this to before right and like so well, much of the really... comic joke of the movie is that like of course like you want to do this stuff but it's not okay and like the movie recognizes that it's like a bad thing but it's like kind of like a funny like human laugh about like the fact that everyone just like wants to be slapping and punching each other all the time well it's a bad thing but i feel like it's it must be the only way this his character is really getting any joy because what's weird <laughs> about the movie is they'll show him like going to a club or something and i'm like why does this guy like have fun because he's so like he's serious but he jokes around and stuff but he's just right. kind of like there or no, like it's, him, it's like it's and, and, and like, like perfectly like, like casting himself like he was so right to put himself in the center of this movie because it's oh, like 100%. he knew how to do that like permanent straight face you know uh yeah which like he can only do um, no it's like and that's like why battle royale is like so climactic to me and especially after seeing like more of the stuff he's done like seeing like takashi's and like whatever it's like when you get to see him in battle royale being like like the put upon like bored like so tired of it kind of like villain it's like you get it because like having to do yeah. this for so long it's like it's such an end you know it's amazing he, he no his face is iconic his expressions are iconic when he shows up at the end of the movie to wreck shop, uh, it's gives me chills pretty much. I mean, he's yeah, like and once again to comment on my Japanese boyfriend's take on the movie because I just think it's so cute and funny to like watch him see this stuff. Yeah, he, he was like, he the, the thing he was really fixated on was like the the girl who was like hung up about her uh, executed like drug boy who's like kind of the villain of the movie going kusiri 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 oh at the end when she's when she's like when she's crawling on him just begging for drugs yeah that's dark yeah no it's dude so I mean, dark. I, it's so yeah but it's like it's 
It's, it feels like black humor in a way. I'm sure Katano probably thinks it's funny. I don't know. Like, I thought it was funny, but yeah, my yeah, brother did yeah, not. It, he thought it was sick and twisted. <laughs> it is twisted, but I mean, yeah, you know, kill the guy and then just leave the girl to fend for herself. Yeah, like the, this like incompetent lady. It's like um, th- this kind of movie would like never fly in America now because like there's not one female character who is like uh, in power at all. Like they're all subjugated. Right. Um, and that's. I mean, maybe that plays into Japan, too, right? Oh, certainly. I mean, no yeah. doubt. But at the end of the day, it's, like, all of the, the violence and, like, the the female subjugation here. It's, like, Katano's well, not stupid sure. enough to think it's it's great and, like, ideal. Like, he punishes the viewer by then killing the violent cop at the end and, like, showing a cycle where this whole thing is bound to repeat over and over again. 100%. Yeah, it's, like, the, this fully... It fully ends with just... I love that last shot of him, you know, spoiler alert, getting shot. But um, Oh, no spoilers, and I'm so popular, don't you worry. Uh, yeah, good, thank goodness. Um, but again, <laughs> similar, to, similar to Shane, and it shows, it just goes to show, I mean, I'd say there's a connection to Shane, you know, that that lifestyle can only end one way. No, I, I felt the same way. Like, they, they are really, con- like, Shane and this movie are really connected because it's like, yes, like, this, like, uh, masculinity is so beautiful and powerful, and, like, there's so much, like, allure to it but it has like that sinister edge and it's like you're not like truly man enough to conquer it like right you're gonna die and it's gonna suck yeah yeah i mean that's that's true of a lot of things i mean that should honestly be words to live by Bullhead is a movie you recommended to me when I kind of brought up the prompt to you of beautiful, violent masculinity and my swan song for it. I had never heard of it. Not one lick of it. Didn't know a single person involved in the movie. And I watched it tonight for the first time. And, uh, you know, sometimes when I let the guest curate some of the art, I can be let down. But I was not. Uh, I was really thrilled by what you uh, put on the table. Yeah, I was worried about that. I was like, um, I was like, because I hadn't watched it in a while, and I was like, maybe this isn't for everyone. But I no, I no, 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 and it was good. it was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I was. Uh, I mean, I I think I have a lot of hesitance towards movies for like from the last like fifteen years or so. Oh yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, they're all and bad. so. When I saw the 2011 tag on the movie, I was like, what could this possibly be? And I think, like, the only, like, contemporary directors right now who I'm, like, really, like, they can do no wrong is, like, Brady Colbert, who did the Vox Lux. And I Uh, think... Do you like Vox Lux? I still haven't watched it, but I know he did that movie about, uh, like, a guy in Paris, like, who... Didn't he, didn't he direct a movie where a guy like he did what his uh, two features are Vox Lux and then his earlier one is uh, the making of a great leader or something like that. And oh, it's like about okay. I'm I, I don't acted in that's it. 
Oh yeah, he's acted a lot because he's like a, a yeah. big star at, at yeah. one point or whatever. But um, it's, it's like it's the best, yeah. It's no, it's like it's Brady Colbert and um, no way. Still, he's pulling it off, and like uh, Lynch is still doing good. Is that it? Like, I I, 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 I was thinking there's someone else, but I can't remember who it is now. Yeah, I mean, I I still like the the. The Titans, you know, I still like like PTA a lot. I still look oh, forward yeah. to PTA, and I, I still look forward to New Tarantino because oh, new- Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is amazing too. It blew me away. I mean, yeah, it's was- fucking and, incredible. And that, but that's the thing. I was like, it was one of those things where I was like, who, like, who else could make this? And, no, you know, exactly. People complain. People kind of backlash against him now because because it's he's such a like film school nerd. I mean, you know, it's like a you know, you, you you make fun of Pulp Fiction because it's so like everybody's favorite or whatever. But then you watch it, Pulp Fiction, you're like, this is incredible. You know, so like oh, once yeah, I, no. Hollywood, I was like, wow, only this guy can get it's an R rated studio film where everybody's going opening night. Yes. And, and then it's such an original cheer, vision. He got people to cheer for the the guy for Brad Pitt, whose character killed his wife. <sighs> He got yeah, I know it's so good to, you know, it's it's magic to me. Like I, I yeah, you can't. It totally it. is magic, and I won't hear another bad thought about it. Like I fuck you, uh, it's amazing. It's like uh, I think it is such a cinematic triumph, and it's like the post history of defeating the Mansons and changing culture is like such an optimistic, beautiful view. Anyone who wants to like doubt on that movie, I'm like, fuck off. Like, I don't care. Yeah. I'm happy after watching that yeah. movie. I could sit watching that movie forever and be satisfied. Absolutely. No, I was so impressed and I was kind of shocked how much I, I like adored it to be. I honest. was too. I, and um, everybody, I, nobody knew anything about it. Everyone's like, what is this possibly going to be about? No way. But, Cause like, there was no way to know. Um, yeah. And my boyfriend, again, uh, I, I brought, <laughs> I brought him to see it. Uh, he hadn't seen any Tarantino movies before, ever. And yeah. he also did not know who the Manson family was. So, I mean, watching the movie, he, he left and he was like, this seems like a movie for boys. I was like, it kind of I mean, is, isn't it? It definitely is. Um, <laughs> my, you know, my mom loved it, you know, um, because she lived it, you know. Uh, but also, like, I think uh, that's the thing. It's like how you you don't get these experiences anymore like this and you don't no. get where you go see a movie you, you don't fully know what to expect and the trailer for it doesn't tell you anything absolutely and not I, and so and it, i hadn't seen know, the trailer before i watched it too now you know everything before you see the movie you know what right. i mean right no too i much? completely agree and uh, I, I this is why i kind of like bring up these uh contemporary direct oh the other one i was thinking of was a uh, nicholas winding Refn. that was the last one okay i hate him but uh, i know thing, you do you're wrong but, but it's okay but but the first, <laughs> the first, the Pusher movies. I do love the Pusher movies. Those are incredible. Like, if you want to talk about, like, yeah, crime. That, that's real masculine crime movies for sure. The second one breaks my heart. Like, I, I think Mads in that is. Do you like Fear X too? I still haven't seen that one. But I, oh, I watched, girl, you'd love it. I watched Bleeder last year. Um, Bleeder which is, is amazing too. I that love was, AIDS, so AIDS in cinema is always my favorite. <laughs> that was that scene was insane. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I brought them all up because, um, yeah, because I, I was so shocked about this movie because 
um, it is in the same realm to me of filmmakers who are capable of transcending the the ugly digital static noise that has consumed media and says something truly sexual and meaningful with their Mm -hmm. art i don't know what the director's name is because i didn't look it up before we watched i already forgot i yeah i forget too it's like i know nothing about this movie but it really left a a feeling in me and i'm I'm curious like what your experience was with it when Um, you watched it it, the first time it is just brutal i mean it's just this brutal humanity like kind of thing it touches on crime film in a way that I've never seen before, which is mm-hmm. the illegal cattle hormone industry, which <laughs> I, I was like, wow, can't say I've seen this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but we've seen the character, the main character, Jackie, we've seen that before. We've seen the henchman. Sure. The enforcer. Um, but the way he plays this character is so interesting to me because he's, um, uh, you know, uh quiet he's quiet cool and reserved again too but he's not dumb no so no movie, he's a he's a quiet out. cool and reserved but not in a taxi driver way the yeah the, the, the movie's about a guy who uh so it's about the the cattle hormone industry and it's about the like uh corruption going on there and guys trying to keep thing under things undercover a cop has been murdered etc there's all this you know drama surrounding that but at the center is a dude who's fully like their enforcer he's the muscle mm. prison buff like oh, very sexy yeah you know uh he's barrel chested and just like huge I, i'm wondering what he did for this role because he just looks crazy and um uh i love the actor matthias I, I can never say his last name he's he's amazing but um he you come to find out uh he had his balls crushed. Yeah, part of why he's so big <laughs> is that when he was a kid, uh, another kid who was bullying him, who the, the other kid was like mentally ill. Like he was, yeah. So, but he crushed the kid's balls. Uh, he crushed Jackie's balls and his parents put him on some crazy testosterone to try and get it to grow back. And, and because of that, he's fully become this giant hulking brute who doesn't know who's very confused by women and doesn't really know how to love or interact and he's super self-conscious and the second you know i I love that scene you know somebody mentions like somebody mentions like uh brothels or strip club or something like that and he has to excuse himself to the bathroom to like punch the walls you know like yeah and that's so interesting and, and sad and tragic and I will say, you know, like I said, you know, we're all, I'm always looking for subversive stuff. And I didn't really think I would get that from this movie, but I will say the scene with the bricks was really hard to watch. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. Hard it's hard to watch. to watch. I, I mean, um, I was watching the movie kind of drunk, putting my makeup on tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like a little bit. Just like I had one drink while I was putting my makeup on, was like looking at my face while I was doing it. But like then here comes the ball crushing scene with the brick. And I stopped. I put my brush down and I yeah. just looked at the screen and was like, Is yeah, this happening? Gonna go there. I mean, yeah. No, I ha- uh, I haven't been so shocked in a movie since the piano teacher, honestly. So that means it's immediately a classic to me. Which also shocked me. I watched that for the first time uh either this last year. Last year I watched Piano Teacher. But um 
Yeah. So, I mean, it, you know, you want to talk about masculinity, like an exploration, like this movie, I mean, his was taken away. What? It was was stolen. Some people people will argue, well, that doesn't really define, fine, whatever. For this character, (laughs) it defined him. It was a big part of it. He was at, he was right at puberty around the time that happened. Mm. He was right at this age where he's curious about women and a kid um, thinking it was a joke or a bullet, like, okay to do. Mm. I, I, you know, I always love those scenes where uh, someone takes something too far and everybody else is like, whoa, man. Like, you know, so all the other kids are like, uh, we didn't think you're actually going to do that. And they like run away. It's brutal. But um, yeah, so he has. He... Can I pause really quick to oh, say that you yeah. kind of look at the guy who crushed with the bricks? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I have a Euro look all, at all times with the, the shaved head. The, some... When I was watching this scene, I was like, it kind of looks like Mikey, doesn't it? <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I, I can't say I have a similar uh, mindset. I'm not as protective of my sister as that guy, but um, <laughs> tragic. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, that the, well, the thing about that guy or that character is uh so you know uh the movie shows you know the, the movie shows that the main character kind of can't really interact with women and stuff mm. and he, tries, he tracks down the sister and flirts with her at, or tries at a perfume store and they sees her at a club some guy like steps in pulls her aside whatever and he gets jealous and you know puts the guy in a coma later so when it showed the movie kind of changes how I view revenge. Cause you know, revenge and comeuppances in movies are always so satisfying. Uh, that one's just depressing. To me, when it shows that he visits the, yeah, when he visits the, or he's in the hospital and sees the kid who took took it, took it him away, who attacked him with a brick and he's just catatonic. I was just like- There's nothing good about that. It's sad. I was like, this is, yeah, I was like, huh. Well, but I find it interesting because I was like, Oh wow, this kind of like changed the way I look at like you 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 grow up watching movies where like somebody does something like absolutely villainous and terrible and then the good guy gets revenge and blows him away at the end and everyone cheers. And in this case, he just he just made the guy brain dead. And I feel like he I mean, it implies he did it, right? He just right. he's he put him in that state, right? But you see in the movie like he he almost regrets it he almost wishes he could do more and he still wants to like do something to this guy he still wants he wishes to get like do something again i guess but he can't no like that that's like his whole sexual relationship with the the female character like the perfume seller lady it's like they're only related kind of like by like that act of violence and like the the reason that he's like drawn back to her is like not because he was like sexually attracted to her as like a teenager but because it's like linked to the violence instead that's a good point yeah it's it's linked to a major major uh experience in his life and it's the only girl who's linked in it and of course he's just gonna be he's obsessed with her yeah he even has a book right he has like a little like this scrap- little book so cute <laughs> yeah yeah it's cute it's one of those things where it's like you know it shows how he's like a simple kind of simple-minded guy he's got the of mice and men thing going on but i just i just hope someone has a chi chi book like, i just want someone to have a book of me one day <laughs> <laughs> i 
kind of, I hope nobody has one of my, me because it's, well, we'll see. Um, you, you never know. Right. You never You're know. A, a competent, nice looking guy on the internet, you know, yeah, with exactly. yeah. words that aren't embarrassing. So you don't you know. Be too nice on the internet, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I do love, you know, I love the shots of him shadow boxing. It's like, it'll show like outlines of him shadow boxing. The camera kind of like, you know, worships like he, he has a great mm. face. He, his face is just like tells you everything. Yeah, um, those, like, those really like, um, I, I'm thinking of the club scenes when it's like just like a, oh. uh, above his mouth and his eyes and his nose. It's like gorgeous. Yeah, yeah it's amazing. And, and, uh, you know, those scenes feel very reffing too, but, um, you know, it all leads to this insane climax where, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, speaking of reffing, Drive came out the same year and I, before I saw Bullhead, I had a friend who saw it and he would always tell me, he'd be like, he was like the elevator scene in, in Drive, Drive, yeah, nothing compared to the elevator scene in Bullhead. I'm like, really? Okay. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll check now, it do out. You, do, so do you hate Drive too? I'm not a I used to love it. I loved it when it came out. Okay, and now so that's all that I counts. You liked it once. Yeah, I liked it. I used to <laughs> do it twice in theaters. I, you know, I thought it was the coolest thing ever because because it felt very fresh and original at that time. Sure. And when I, I think watching on the small screen, I was just like, I, I just feel like I almost saw through it. I don't know. Something about it, it just felt false. He, you know, Reffin has a quality where his films are very translucent and it's very easy to see the, the camp or like the kind of like gay element. I mean, he's not gay. Like he's married to the loving wife that he dedicates his movies to. But nonetheless, it's like, there's like the gay element where it all comes across as like Teflon, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. This movie doesn't have that. I didn't see the Teflon. <laughs> no, no. Um, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird kind of thing with, um, a sexual but non-sexual relationship that he has with, or obsession he has with the girl. Um, no, and I, I, I just think it's so beautiful to like see such an unrestrained masculine approach here. Like, um, yeah. I think it's just really gorgeous to see it and it's it's full body and like there's like so much corporeal stuff about it like we see like his uh family inviting him in for dinner and like what he eats like we see him doing his steroids like th when he's looking in the mirror like when he's like yeah. punching the air it's like I that even small element of it is like enough to really give me that sexual satisfaction so I was you know I was here for the film. Well, I mean, he's like an incredibly good-looking guy, and it's oh, so hot in real life. He, you know, he's a great actor in real life. I think he like wears fedoras and stuff, but that's fine. You know uh, what? I, you know what? I actually think I have a hot I, take about fedoras, which is like maybe they can be hot if they're right if they're by the right person. Okay, I know you're. you're he's the right person. I know. I'm thinking. I'm trying to think like who pulls it off besides Pete Doherty, because I used to think it was really cool when Pete Doherty wore it, like high. Uh -huh. When he was dating Kate Moss and stuff well, like that. Well, for now, for for me now, it's like uh, celebrities in their early forties trying to be cool, who are like are still like vaguely fit off their last Marvel movie. Right, that's kind of hot. I get that. I get. I guess I can. See. <laughs> it's it's definitely like can be like a old guy thing. It's an old guy thing. Um, yeah. I had a fedora phase in high school because my mom told me they look cute. Interesting. 
I did. I, I had one when I was in high school because I watched uh, 400 Blows and like there's a point where the kid wore it and I was like, that's cool. And then when <laughs> I, it, I, oh, I just feel like the kid in the fedora. So I just, I can't do it. What do you think about bucket hats? Really hard to pull off, honestly. Well, I mean, oh, they're cool. yeah. I think, you know, it takes a certain panache to do it. If you're Omar S, which is like a Detroit DJ who wears one like constantly, like that's cool. I don't know. It, yeah, it depends on face shape and stuff. But my whole thing is, I used to wear them now and then when I was my style was a little bit more like casual, mm. uh, and uh, I always thought they look cool as long as it's covering your eyes a little bit. You know. Yeah. Is. Okay. So I saw a guy at the train station like, tonight. He had like the schoolboy uniform on. He looked like Shinji Ikari, right? Like he had like the white the white t shirt, and then he had like the black slacks on. But he had a bucket hat on and a black mask like pulled past his eyes. And I was like. <gasps> hot i was like shook i was like that's so fierce and i was like maybe i should get back in a bucket hat look yeah i mean you can't go wrong with the kangle ones like the, the classic kangles are, are the best um i had a an era in high in a college where i was uh doing bucket hats a lot oh really uh-huh and uh, it was mostly when i was doing a lot of cocaine so oh, i would okay. i would like go to um went to lake shasta as a fraternity yeah. and i did uh cocaine off a of britney spears cd <laughs> with a bucket hat on i mean that just <laughs> sounds like a yeah that sounds like a normal sorority kind of thing right? yeah it or, seems like the uh, right kind of move right yeah no absolutely what cd was it it was a hit me baby one more time it was okay. her first okay because yeah. I had brought it in the car to listen to on the way there, and it was in my bag. Like, we need a flat surface. I feel like that's. I mean, I feel like it can't get more masculine than that. Oh yeah, and I, I mean, the people I did it with, the two hottest girls I've ever met in my life, like these two blonde girls who I'm so obsessed with to this day, and then um, one of my uh, straight male friends who I haven't been in contact with for a while, but was a uh, good looking in his own element for sure. Right. Right. And those girls probably have kids now, and they're just no, no. They were working for the CDC. I think um, oh, one wow. of them has been on the show already, and one of them is coming on for the first time in a few weeks. I think so. Oh, fantastic! I mean, <laughs> wow. Um, was there anything else on Bullhead that we could? Talk? I don't remember. Uh, um, no. no, I mean, really, this movie to me is the the ball crushing scene. That's the whole. It's, it's so harsh. I mean, when people when I recommend it to people, they're just like, "Whoa, that was." insane i was like yeah i don't it made me feel weird no it made me feel yeah. really weird it's like <laughs> you know what it's a perfect example of of uh illustrating something without showing it you know what i mean it mm. implied in a way it's it's showing more just facial reactions the way his eyes roll up in his head it the looks way like he's orgasming it, it feels like it was happening to me it's so hard to watch um and you know well, i mean but but does not all cinema make you feel that way now? Like I, I with that, that little look on his face when he's like looking up into his eyes. Like every time I go to the theater and see a new horror movie, I'm like doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and I can go on about that because horror isn't fun anymore. Um, it's a long road when you're on your own, and it hurts when. They tear your dreams apart And every new town 
recently I have discovered the erotic appeal of Sylvester Stallone. And um, apparently this is bizarre. Apparently people don't think he's hot because uh, one mm. of my good friends thought I was doing a bit and said I was putting on a character by posting a lot of pictures of him and saying he's hot. And to that I say, no, he's hot. And First Blood, the movie we're about to talk about, is extremely hot. Well, yeah. I have to ask, I, you know, my, my, my go-to has always been my, my mother. You know, I used, to, I used to always ask her. Like, <laughs> Likewise. I used to always be like, is this guy attractive to you? Because, like, sometimes it's, I don't And she's just like, you know, I feel like she's a fan of Sly. I don't know. Is he, I know he's not traditionally good. Like, I mean, now he just looks crazy. He looks like. Oh, and now he looks like a block of cheese. Because he keeps on getting plastic surgery. Yeah. So unfortunate when guys do that. Like, uh, especially like all these like classic, you know, actors who were once, you know, beautiful. But he, um, yeah, I guess I I feel like I see the appeal. Like, especially because he looks, he's so young. He's such a baby face in that movie. I mean. Which is crazy because he was in his like 30s when he filmed it. Yeah. He still looks like really good. He's in peak form. So let me explain my erotic appeal towards him because it needs to be answered and I have to put my flag post down that he is hot and everyone else is wrong. And I am right about this. As the caretaker of masculinity, I'm telling you he is hot. Okay? I I believe you. <laughs> I know you. Thank you. You're And you're right to believe Yeah. Yeah. I know mean... it's a... Uh, okay. Think about his face. He has those droopy eyelids, right? Right. They're like always like half covering his eyes. He has that beautifully shaped jaw, the beautiful physique, and he has an energy that is constantly somewhat aloof, somewhat distant, and always seemed to be somewhere else. And like that is what yeah. I find hot in a guy is like kind of that vaguely autistic look. I, I can see that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, Polly well, says the same thing in Sexual Persona about like the beautiful boy is that they're always looking away. They're looking elsewhere. Like the reason they're hot is because like there's some universe that you can't see. Yeah. yeah. I think I think he has that. I mean, he definitely has star power or he had star power. It, it's a shame he kind of became like this. Like, I want to say he's almost like it became like a joke because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Stallone, he's only in action movies and Demolition Man, and Cliffhanger, whatever. I haven't watched Cliffhanger since I was a kid, but that movie rules. But you know, it's like so good. I, yeah, no, I I yeah. agree. I, I just watched Over the Top too, and thought it was amazing in its own right. Uh oh, you f- that was a staple when I was like young, young. Um, and you know, Tango and Cash. My sister would always watch that and stuff. But he um he he's a genuinely great good, great actor. I think. No, uh, I I I totally agree. And people want to discount him because he has that affect. You know, he has yeah. like a his uh, take to the roles where it's like him kind of like, uh, you know, playing it up to a degree and like doing it in his own vein. But I find it to be really striking and original. Well, I think also he's been given certain roles that weren't very him and that he's probably performed pretty badly. in. but, but uh, in something like this first blood, um, the movie, I mean, what the movie. Unique, what a unique. What, what are you going to say? I'm just going to say that it's such a unique thing, phenomenon, because growing up, before I watched First Blood, 
my idea of what the Rambo movies was was so was more about the seat is because of the sequels right every no movie, yeah you know hot shots did a parody of it all these things i just thought all these movies were about him shirtless with bullets and blowing blowing away bad guys whatever so when i i remember when i was you know when i first watched first blood when i was i was a teenager or something like that i um i was shocked to know it was this like psychological it's a thriller but it's also got so much weight to it and uh then i was even more confused of why they thought it was a good idea to make like these an action franchise and a saturday morning cartoon out of a dude who has insane ptsd who's severely damaged and a truly tragic character and then they it's just funny they made like action figures of rambo oh it's beautiful to me (laughs) it's It's so ridiculous it's basically it's to to me it's i mean it's great double feature with like a taxi driver or something like that because it's um it's it's the same theme it's like the same approach to masculinity honestly and it's like um i i really do think sylvester stallone is responsible for it becoming like such like an action like saturday morning kind of phenomenon and my initial exposure to first blood was that i had a two very traditional friends in rural Oregon where I lived whose dad loved Sly. And uh, they were raised on a diet of Rocky and Rambo, basically. And so I was always turned off as a child because it's like, what is this boy stuff? Like, what is this? But then when I, uh, you know, became pubescent, I was like, oh, I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I mean, he's, it's, it's cool. It's, I mean, he, he embody, I mean, he embody, if you want to talk about masculinity, the movie like has it in spades because he's doing things like sewing up his own wounds and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if we need to just dis- describe the plot for, because who hasn't? I, I guess, I mean, I guess I'll say it's he's about a, a uh, also what? a drifter. Like it's Shane. a Vietnam vet. Yeah. Yeah. He's a Vietnam vet. And he's back from war. He's being mistreated by the liberals of Washington lot, state. Right. Yeah, he's been back for a while, but he's just been drifting and obviously can't hold a job. He visits a, he's in town to visit a, a old soldier buddy who he finds out is dead, and then it turns into him being harassed by local police. And it turns the- into an all-out war. Yeah, he he rages war on them because they triggered him. They literally, he got triggered in the cop station. Insane, like, and it's sad when you're watching it. You're just like. You know, that's a perfect example. I mean, this is where going off of Bullhead and, and when you, you're watching a movie and you're, you're like lusting for revenge, when they're uh, harassing him in the police station, you just like are on the edge of your seat, like, and then you're standing up applauding once he like escapes because it's just so much, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're gonna shave him. Like they, they always bring him with the hose. And then there's this homoerotic scene where they're holding him and about to shave him. And uh, that triggers his, you know, POW flashback. Oh, yeah, because every single scene of First Blood is, like, just, like, St. Sebastian. It's, like, it's like him. It's very St. Sebastian. Right, isn't it? Uh, it's, like, yeah. him and, the like, this sort of bondage. The show, it shows the flashback when he's getting cut across his chest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's incredible and... Um, you know, there's not an ounce of cheesiness in in the whole movie. You know? No, and like it, it really stands the test of time. Like none of it is funny. Not really. No. Yeah, I'm just like, I mean, uh, there's like a weird 
comedic scene they they shoehorn into there where like it's like the national guard or something is like shoots a bazooka and they're just like because they're scared of rambo but <laughs> but you know it's a it, it play it, you know it's another one of those things where it changes your idea of what um of uh of comeuppances and, and revenge and stuff like that and mm. satisfaction from that movies because you know once you're like oh these these cops are like scum and then once he starts setting traps for them and they're like screaming in the dark forest and that scene that's like it's hard to see anything in the scene it's like kind of like you're like yeah but you're also kind of like uh this is kind of like scary you know and then when stallone gets brian dennehy and puts the knife up against his neck and makes the whole speech about like you know i'll give you a war you won't believe and then it shows brian dennehy basically having a panic attack afterwards, mm. you know, and he's crying. It's kind of like, you know, it's not satisfying. It's like, this is, you're, it's satisfying, but it's not, it's, it's also sad. It also makes you think about like how precious life is and stuff like that. Like, you're like, man, this dude's terrible. Uh, this is a terrible sheriff, town sheriff, but then that happens and you're almost like, I mean, I feel bad for him. No, um, I, I agree. Uh, it's like, I don't know. This movie I mean, I is so adroit. It's it's so adroit at like being able to switch like where the tension is lying. Like the entire movie, like it keeps switching back and forth about who the victim is. Like most of the time, it, it's John Rambo, but you know you do feel like terror for like these like guys in the National Guard and like the sheriff and everything. It's like who is going to be the victim next is like this big nebulous point that keeps like uh floating between different spectrums like throughout the whole movie and like. I find that to be, like, one of the most, like, fascinating depictions of masculinity here because it's, like, um, in all the movies we've talked about so far, it's, like, we're, we're like, pretty, like, clear about um, where, like, this masculinity is going to lead you to. But, like, here, it's, like, much more questionable. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, he is, uh, you know, it's it's... It it's it plays into this like idea of like um you know as a kid too like uh, my i looked i thought soldiers and all and war and playing soldier whatever is cool you know right little kid and i thought it was the coolest thing ever and um this movie <laughs> <laughs> you're seeing someone who's just kind of like so damn and now now we talk about all this like damage now now it's in conversation a lot more i feel like with because of you know the uh iraq and all this stuff like that like and everybody's mm-hmm. addicted to opioids now and stuff like that but i feel like with that movie it's just like it's touching on it in a way taxi driver did touch on it a few others do like rolling thunder etc like it's it's kind of got this like the vietnam vet who comes home and things aren't really what he expected but when when rambo gives his full speech at the end like that's when i was like this time around my most recent view and i was like almost in tears because me it's so, too it's so hard to watch and and powerful uh, no and, it, it, it's like almost like incoherent like you have no idea what he's talking yeah. about yeah it's incoherent he's talking about his friend losing his legs and it and it's it cuts through colonel troutman too and you know uh uh that actor, uh, Crenshaw, I think his name is Richard Crenshaw, him watching, that's one of my favorite scenes, is him mm. just cutting to him and how he's reacting to Rambo, like, breaking down is really, really hard to watch and, and amazing. Um, yeah, it's it, it's really amazing. And it's, like, it, it really does transcend, like, the 
I, I have a, a feeling about how most people perceive, like, a lot of 80s cinema and stuff is, like, through this, like, pastiche lens where it's, like, everything is funny and, like, camp. There, yeah. This movie is not funny, and it's not camp. And to, It's not camp, no. No, to willfully misread it and to watch it that way is evil and cruel. Well, the thing is, like, it's, like... It's, like, like, there are some, yeah, there are some cool elements of him being, like, you know tough and cool whatever but like by the time he's stolen a machine gun and he's just shooting up a local like small town gas station and stuff like yeah that's cool like action cinema whatever but to me while i'm watching i'm just kind of exhausted by the end of the movie because you're feeling more and more like okay this dude he can't go for like you can't what he can't do anything more but then he does he blows up the fucking town and it's bleak it yeah. is. it's really dark it's actually bleak because there's really no escape and you know like i guess he's gonna have to go to prison whatever but like there's nothing else he can do no and the cops keep piling up and it it really truly does feel hopeless because you've been rooting for him the whole movie and it's mm. kind of like you're at the point where you're like oh, i can't really i don't know what do you want from me john you know um <laughs> uh and uh, you know that plays in masculinity as well. It's a, it's about never knowing when to say when, and and or maybe never giving up, um, or the idea that you should never give up. You know what I mean? Like this idea that's kind of like I don't know, driven into you. Um, right. And I mean, I think that one of the reasons that First Blood is like so impactful is because like it's hard for people viewing now to realize, but up until this point, like it, it just had been a lot of images of Sylvester Stallone winning. And it's like, even like right. in Rocky, when he loses it first, like the loss is a win emotionally, you know? Totally. This yeah. is not an emotional or a corporeal, like it's, it's just not a win at all. It's, it's a loss. Right. Totally. And, and, and it's coming at a time too. And that when movies had happy endings and, and, uh, First Blood's ending isn't really a happy ending at all. It's not satisfying. It's it's completely bleak. And um, yeah, to this day, it still trips me out because just so, so far from what I expected, I, I really thought the first First Blood was like an action movie. Like I grew up thinking, oh, it's Stallone. He's doing like an, and it's just not that, you know? No, and, it, I mean, it's so unfortunate, it's really like, um, the first Blood franchise kind of, like, spurred off, like, a, a second wave of his action movies because it's, like, right. he really could have been a dramatic actor, but it's, like, people misread that last scene of him, like, screaming and incoherently, like, yelling about what happened, and they misread it as, like, kind of this, like, retarded Italian thing, you know? They, they kind of, they right. thought, oh, he doesn't know what he's saying with that accent. But it was, like, it's really a tour de force of performance, I think. I think, I completely agree, yeah. Um... Can you imagine if, like, he had not been typecast that way and we could see him in, like, dramatic movies now? Like, imagine if he didn't have to do the Expendables. I'm surprised he doesn't do anything like that now. And they just made another Rambo a couple of years ago, too. Like, I know. And um, I actually watched some clips from it and it was actually kind of cool. But uh, just because it was so over-the-top violent, like, but... Um, I've only seen the first two. I love part two. I love part two is also amazing. Part two is amazing. Totally different movie, but it's so cool. I think it, I think the scene where he says, Murdoch, I'm coming for you on the speakers. Like it gives me chills every time. Me and then, too. And um, the torture sequence in that, when they literally make him flex his biceps, like, yeah, 
it's so good it's like it's so good no it's so good but um you know i think everyone kind of has like this fear about representing men this way now because you know in the shadow of like this gun violence and like this like t- like total static drone of uh men off the edge it's like everyone is horrified of like the vegas shootings and columbine like 25 years later and everything it's like because that's the only way we can think about a man with a gun it's like we have lost this great erotic element of culture interesting yeah i can see that yeah i mean um i mean our yeah our our kids our kids still playing with toy guns i don't i don't know i mean what do kids play with now like what kind of like do they have they don't have action figures? I had Power Rangers well, action. action figures and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. Did that still stuff. action figures. I mean, there's still an element of like action cartoons and TV shows. But that... it's mostly like Marvel now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. And growing up, at least for me, all cartoons they always had to have lasers. Yeah. And, you know, because you know, except for um, Batman the animated series, I guess the creator fought to make sure that his no had... lasers. And they were like fine, so like because it just fit within this like nor aspect of the show. But um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like that's that's why I'm kind of curious. Like, I I have nieces and they're like older, and I know what they're into. They're just like into culture. They're into TikTok. They're into all that stuff. So like, I don't really have an a grasp on what like the modern child is getting into. Like a lot of Fortnite iPads. What? A lot of Fortnite. Yeah, stuff like that, you know, like, it's cool. Yeah, do your thing, I guess. I don't want to be one of those dudes who's like, no, you should only be like... Uh, you should only be watching 80s Yeah, action you should movies. only be like looking at these. You should only like look up to Paul Newman. Like, that's a real man. Like, you know, that's like... Well, that, that, that's a worthless path to go down because, um, exactly. you know, the only way you can get any value out of... Uh, any movies is to take a transgressive view of it, you know, and just eating film as it's presented to you on a platter is worthless. So it's like, I don't care if children are like, you know, being exposed really to like new, to the old, exciting, like revolutionary male cinema. It's like that they will get there on their own, I think. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm all about, you know, people kind of discovering things on their own. And, but the thing is, I, I, I would, plead with people it's like make sure you know like your kid has a hobby or something you know because mm-hmm. uh, it's not Fortnite, bo- please boredom is uh bo- yeah boredom's dangerous you know what i mean it's you know idle hands devil's play thing whatever you want to say but like be into something otherwise you might be you might grow up to be a really uninteresting person no it's it, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. You're it, so it, right be into something you know what I mean? And most, most kids are, but, uh, but you know, I, uh, yeah. Once you find that something you're into, let it like take over your life. I mean that there, there's limits, you know what I mean? Like what, obviously, like if you're, people can take things too far. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> obviously. But, but, but like, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I just feel like, I just wonder if it, it's not just about kids and stuff like that. I just in general, I feel like our people. I wonder if people are so passionate at all. No, I, I feel the same way because, um, honestly, oh, like, if they are. Are they delving into something 
are they going more than surface level to to demonstrate their passion? You know what I mean? Like, right. And are, I mean, I, I'm we... I'm cool with this for anything. It's like if you want to get that into fitness, or like you want to like do weightlifting, or like you want to like do a lot of like uh, scientific like studies. Like that's all amazing. Like yeah. I I completely agree with you that like the lost element here is just like passion at all. And like for me, it's like art and. Uh, I, I, that, that's honestly the whole point of the show. Like, why I'm talking to you right now is because I just, I, I care so much. It's like the, yeah. the visceral emotion I get from watching First Blood and like seeing that sequence when they're like shooting him out in like the black forest. Yeah. And yeah. The, the complete glum human emotion I get from that. It's like, it's amazing that you can yeah. experience something and get a feeling like that. And you can get that from any sort of passion you take, like exercising, reading books, like anything, like the, the, whatever right. you do, like there is something, there is some way to do it. But if you surrender your life to meaningless gloop, then there's nothing. Right. And it's a great, and it, you know, it's, it is a great feeling that you can feel exhilarated from a movie like first blood. That was a mainstream studio movie. You know mm. what I mean? And now nothing mainstream really does it for me. I, I don't want to sound like someone's like, I only like underground things because that's terrible. I hate people like that too. But, but you know, it's true. Like you, that's why we have to search things out. And, and when I say I help people become more passionate and search for things like more beyond surface level, I mean, like if you're into this thing or this thing, you know, go beyond just the first Google result, the first Pinterest yeah. in- you see and and you know let it envelop you you know what i mean um, oh yes and i feel like it's 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 harder and harder to come by uh and people don't really want to do the research and people don't want physical media um or physical books um and i'm not really impressed if all you do is you know pull images from the internet and stuff like that uh certainly no and, I, and, you know just buy things buy books you know, get things. I, but but also at the same time, I don't want to sound like one of those people who's like, kids today don't read. It's nothing like that. It's nothing like no, that. No, no, you don't sound like that at all. I mean, I, I, huh. I completely agree with you. It's like, um, you know, w- I, with my podcast, when I started, I was like talking about whatever I wanted, like just random stuff. And like doing it, I realized it's like, well, what I really like want to talk about is like the movies and like literature and like the art that I care so much about. And, um, it doesn't matter if you've seen what we're talking about. It doesn't, like, matter if you, like, know everything about it. It's just, it's like, right. I, I feel like the important thing to hear is that, like, there is somebody who cares something about something. And you can do totally. the same with whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you've had guests on that that care about these things and and are, you know, interested in things. You know what I mean? It's just <laughs> yeah. like just be into something and you know it's not just about like me wanting to have be able to have a conversation with you without wanting to stab myself in the head it's more about like <laughs> your life will be probably you'll get something out of your life you know no because the a, people who watch stuff or like are interested in something they're they're good interesting people it's like right. if you completely envelop yourself in a hobby or in a pursuit of literally whatever i can guarantee you're going to yeah. be like someone that other people want to like hang out with Totally. And I mean, art, art is really at the end of the day, all that drives me, you know what me I mean? Too. Like, I'm a, and that's, yeah, that's why I wanted to be on your pod too. Cause um, you know, your main thing seems to be about the power of art and the power of 
dangerous art, the power of subversive art, the power of art that is going the way of the Buffalo, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, we're at this point. And I only realized recently, you know, that, or in the past few years that that's the stuff that I'm willing to die for. You know what I mean? Um, Mm. That's the stuff that I want to see more of. I want, you know, I want something that's challenging. You know, I want to feel challenged and I, I, I mean, there's, there's limits, you know, I don't necessarily, but you know, I want to feel like maybe uncomfortable, like, or I want to, you know, my skin to crawl when I'm reading a book or when I see a movie, et cetera. But I also, the thing is, you know, like, um, uh, you know, if, if, if I'm, if I want to see a problematic character, a character who's problematic by today's standards in a movie, um, someone who doesn't fit what uh, is considered a, a, a virtuous moral person by today's standards, whatever, you know, like, you know, I always tell people like LA Confidential is an example of a movie that like had was winning Oscars and stuff like mm. that. But when you watch it now, you're like, oh, these characters are like, some of these characters, main characters, these protagonists are, are cops who, you know, aren't perfect you know some might even be racist whatever i don't want to see that in a movie just because i'm not i'm not trying to be an edge lord i'm not like yeah just do it because it'll offend someone whatever i'm (laughs) i'm what i'm interested in is it's like uh portraying people with problems portraying people who are weird like they have something off they whatever because it's real you know i'm I'm totally with you it's like I, you basically just summarized everything that I, I I think about what I'm trying to do with my show, basically. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter if, like, what's being depicted is, like, racist or transphobic or homophobic or evil. It's like, if you can see something, if you can see something that does not exist in you, if you can see something that's removed from you and experience something that somebody made and you can feel something from it, that's beautiful. That's a transcendental oh. experience. And it's like we're running out of those day by day because of the way that our lives are filtered through the internet and COVID or whatever stupid thing you want to talk about. It doesn't matter to me, but it's like we're in a snafu of people who can experience something and have a feeling about it, you know? And that's what I find beautiful is that human beings, like these like dumb little monkeys who like wander around the earth can like, fumble together these like little images or like these little like simulacrums of people and those little creations that they make can produce a physical feeling in you you know that's that's beautiful to me and important to me and i I get emotional talking about it because it's like what i live my life for yeah i think about it all the time you know i mean i uh the thing is i'm i you know like i live i love art etc but i think what i love live for is like storytelling you know what i mean Mm. and even if it's fashion, which I'm, you know, I'm into fashion, like a, an editorial is telling a story. Uh, a runway show is telling a story, et cetera. Oh my God, no doubt. I mean, I just talked about Highland Rape like a few like weeks ago. That's total yeah. storytelling. Yeah, when yeah, when you guys had, uh, yeah, when you were talking about McQueen and stuff like that, you know, this is, this is all storytelling, et cetera. But, you know, it's, um, and he, he's a great subject in general because, mm. And I, I tell I tell people all the time, if you're a creative person at all, you should watch the documentary, the McQueen documentary, because the you can't not you can't walk away from it not inspired. 
you know, um, the dude just went for it. <laughs> and he had just, an actual Yeah, vision. just go for and it. Like, put your whole life on the line. Like John Rambo, just like put your whole existence out there, fight for it and die for art. Exactly. And I, and, and I, I'm just more like, I want people to, I just want the future generation or whatever to have a vision. And, uh, Right now we're in this weird place where it's like some people say it's a decline of culture in general. Maybe it is, but but I also can't, I hold out hope that, you know, something will come back around, but, you know, like aesthetics are just so disgusting and unpleasing now in general, like, and graphic design is in, you know, graphic design. The worst is, it's like, ever in, been. It's the way, you know, mainstream graphic design is so bad, but then you come across these certain designers who are doing like record covers, whatever, and you're like, oh, this is amazing. You know, so like there's all these these pockets in certain facets, maybe even with modern art or painters, paintings, whatever, where you're like, oh, this person's doing something that's really interesting. Uh, that gives me hope. This person's doing something interesting. That gives me hope. And, you know, even if it's pastiche, you know no, what no, I mean? I, I agree. We can cling to hope because there's always going to be people producing something that's interesting. As long as there are so many people on the planet, there's always going to be someone saying something worthwhile and like listen to it promote it and be excited and emotional about it. I really hope so. (laughs) 